0: didn't quite finish this 89th psalm in our last lesson we'll pick up with verse 38 it, uh we got read two or three more verses down but this is the dividing part of this psalm and this shows that the lord's people are chastened and in verse 38 it says but thou hast cast off and abhorred thou hast been wroth with thine anointed." you know severe, severe chastening sometimes makes us think that god has cast us off and forgotten us And when God's people are under the chastening rod, sometimes they think that God has, you know, forgotten them. And it's really not that. The Bible says, Whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. And the Bible also says in Hebrews 13, verse 5, For he has said, I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. God says, I will not cast you off. I will never leave thee, nor forsake thee. And sometimes we feel like, though, that God is... Uh, cast us off. And then verse 39 says, Thou hast made void the covenant of thy servant. Thou hast profaned his crown by casting it to the ground. Uh, Thou hast broken down all his hedges. Thou hast brought uh, his strongholds to ruin. All that pass by the way spoil him. He is a reproach to his neighbors. Sometimes we feel that God has withdrawn all of his protection, and that is not true either. Uh, In Psalm 37, I believe it is, no, 34, verse 7, it says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him and delivereth them. We don't know, but sometimes we feel when God has withdrawn his protection that it's our own feeling. But God says it's different a, a different story. He says, The angel of the Lord encampeth round about them that fear him. If you really fear God and reverence God, Our feelings and emotions may come and go, and we may feel like God has cast us off, and we may feel like His protection is gone, but nevertheless, it's still there. You see, we judge God sometimes by man's doings and by the way men do. And God is faithful, though, and He's not going to do as men do. He's going to do as God does. And He's going to maintain His faithfulness in spite of our uh, feelings of fear, and our feelings of, of doubt, he's still going to be faithful. Isn't it good to have someone you can depend upon that, in spite of all of your emotions and your feelings, he's still there? He's still true to his word. He says, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. And then another thing, <clears throat> verse 42, it says, Thou hast set up the right hand of his adversaries, thou hast made all his enemies to rejoice. It may even appear sometimes that our enemies that are against us, that God is on their side. Do you ever feel like that God's on the side of, the, of those that are against you? But the Bible says that God be for us, who can be against us? See, the enemies are not going to do any good. And then we may think something else. We read on down to verse 46. In verse 43, Thou hast also turned the edge of his sword, and hast not made him to stand in the battle. Thou hast made his glory to cease and cast his throne down to the ground. The days of his youth thou hast shortened. Thou hast covered him with shame. Do you ever feel like that? And then it says in verse uh, 46 How long, Lord, wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Three questions. How long, Lord? How long am I going to be in this position? Wilt thou hide thyself forever? Shall thy wrath burn like fire? Do you think that God has forgotten? He says that woman may forget her sucking child, but I will not forget thee. It has been known. That's the furthest thing from human kindness, isn't it? For a mother to forget her child. But it has happened. It does happen. And I might say quite too often it happens because uh, it shows the depravity of man. It shows the fact that, uh, in spite of the fact that God has given a child in love and, and a miracle of a birth and the, the, how dear a child should be to its mother and to its parents, mother and father, that sometimes they' just like uh, they don't amount to anything. Uh, but it says, God will not forget us. So we, we don't need to think that God is going to forget us. He says, I will not forget thee. Then let's read on down verse 47 and 48. It says, Remember how short my time is. Remember how short my time is. We're here just a very short time. We'll get into that in the next psalm because it deals with it at length. But our time is very short. Life is short. Death is sure sin is the curse and Christ is the cure and so if we'll remember that we just have a short time to prepare for eternity Uh, wherefore hast thou made all men in vain well all men are not made in vain all men uh, love vanity Uh, the psalmist said in one place remove far from me vanity and lies now he didn't say remove me far from vanity and lies you get the difference? He said, remove far from me, vanity and lies is here. Remove far from me, vanity and lies, because they stem from here. He didn't say, remove me far from vanity and lies, as if they're out there somewhere. Because all of it comes from within. And you know, we have a society today that believes that everything that affects us is from the outside, that, you know, environment and, you know, uh, surroundings and, circumstances and all this rules as to what men and women boys and girls will be no it doesn't all this rules as to what men and women boys and girls will be and if christ is in you and if if the word of god dwells in you richly and the things of god and the spirit of god and the goodness of god then the life is going to be changed from the inside out and that's the only way there will ever be any difference in this world and it happens on an individual basis It happens to each and every individual. It doesn't mean there cannot be many individuals saved at one time. It just means that each and every one of them have to have something change inside. That's all it means. So, uh, it says uh, in verse uh, 47, Wherefore hast thou made all men in vain? What man is he that liveth and shall not see death? Well that's a good question. All of us shall. Shall he deliver his soul from the hand of the grave? No, he cannot see them. Lord, where are thy former loving kindnesses? It seemed like this psalmist says, Where are your mercies and your loving kindnesses? It's the former he knew God had them, which thou swearest unto David uh, unto David in thy truth. But they're there. Remember, David prayed, Psalm 51, Have mercy upon me, O Lord, according to thy loving kindness, according to the multitude of thy tender mercies, blot out my transgressions. And then, verse 50 says, Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants. Sometimes we have to call God into a uh, to remind him of his covenant and of his agreement with us. Remember, Lord, the reproach of thy servants, how I do bear in my bosom the reproach of all the mighty people. God has promised that he will not give us over to the enemy. Wherefore, wherewith thine enemies have reproached, O Lord? Wherewith they have reproached the footsteps of thine anointed. You know, Jesus was reproached. It says, the reproaches of him that reproached thee fell on me. You read in the book of Romans. It's written, and the reproaches of the one that reproached God fell on me. Jesus took the brunt of it. And by the way, he took the brunt of it not only of those that reproached God, but those that reproached you and I. He took that as well. And then it says in the last verse, Blessed be the Lord forevermore. Amen and amen. This would be a good thing to remember. Now let's look at our next psalm. Psalm 90. Look at Psalm 90. Psalm 90. I have Psalm 90 and 91, but I don't know how far we'll get. But Psalm 90 is a good one. This is a Psalm of Moses, by the way. Some have disputed that Moses wrote this Psalm. Notice it says a prayer of Moses, the man of God. But there's never been any sufficient proof to prove that he didn't. This is one of the oldest Psalms that you'll find. Why it's in number 90, we, you know, everything is not chronological order in the Bible. You know that. Because uh, you go back in the uh, in the uh, books of uh, Joshua judges Ruth, first Samuel Kings, Chronicles and all, and you'll find the Chronicles refers back to the per- first part of the kings and the middle of the kings and various things, and Ezra, Nehemiah, and Esther Job, in fact, the book of Ruth comes right in the b- middle of the book of Judges, or about, say, the sixth chapter of judges. So Joshua judges Ruth, but Ruth comes in the time of the judges, if you'll remember. And it indicates that. So the chronological order may be a little different. But anyway, this is a psalm of Moses. And I want you to notice verse 1. It says, Lord, Thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations before time began. By the way, our spiritual home is eternal with the Lord. Our dwelling place from all generations. Think of God as... A dwelling place for all from the time of Adam till now. that has been our tw- dwelling place through all generations. And he was even there before Adam. And he was the dwelling place of man before man was ever created. And it from God came man. And he made him of the dust of the earth. And unto dust he shall return. We'll find that in this chapter as well. We're made of dust and we'll go back to dust. But our spirit will go to be with God. God gave that spirit, and God's going to take that back. He's going back to be with God. See, he gave it out, and he breathed in this dust, and we're living. When he takes back his spirit, this body, this flesh, will go back to the dust, and that spirit will go back to God. It will return the status quo. But we will have a spirit that will live forever with God, because he gave us an individual uh, spirit, each and every one. The Bible says the spirits of just men made perfect in Hebrews chapter 12. So look at this. It says, Lord, thou hast been our dwelling place in all generations. Aren't you glad that there's an eternal home and that God is eternal? Our God is eternal as well as our home. Think of of, uh, God being eternal in Deuteronomy chapter 33, verse 27. It says the eternal God the eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. The eternal God is thy refuge. When you flee for refuge, you don't flee to someone that hasn't been here a while, doesn't know anything about what you need. He's always been here. He was here before we were. He made us. He formed man. He created everything, the heavens and the earth. And if He's our refuge, He certainly knows Everything we need in the way of coming to Him in a refuge. You see, we do not realize how great and how big God really is. We sing a song, Ron sang it and others of our specials How Great Thou Art, Vicki and others. How Great Thou Art. It's a wonderful song isn't it? because we cannot even comprehend it though we say it. We cannot comprehend how great God is. The eternal God is thy refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Our God has made us from the dust. Look at verse 3. Well, let me go ahead with verse 2. We haven't read it. It says, Before the mountains were brought forth, before time began, before the mountains were brought forth, or ever hadst thou formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. Before time began. They used to have an advertisement or a kind of a thing up here in the Albuquerque station talking about these mountains up here uh, close to Albuquerque and I forget the statement that was made but it tells about uh, the mountains as if the mountains were eternal and God you know as if they were there but not recognizing that God made the mountains you know but you see and some of you may have seen that uh, it's just a little advertisement or something about some I believe it's some bank up there is using those to illustrate. But anyway, God has always been. And the mountains are just like newborn creatures to him. You know? When God made the mountains, you know, here's the new here's the new new birth of the earth. And he's always been here. It says before the mountains were brought forth, brought forth as if they were born. But he brought them forth. Or ever thou hast formed the earth. Formed is, you know, a baby is formed in the womb. And it's born into the world. And he formed the mountains as if they were born. But God did this. And brought about their birth. Or their beginning. It says, before thou hast formed the earth and the world. Even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. You go back as far as you want to go, and go in the future as far as you want to go, and you cannot reach both ends. Because God was there, and God will be there. There's no beginning, no end with God. A little foolish, atheistic mind of ours, like sometimes a little boy will say, well, where did God come from? Don't worry about it. He's always been. In the beginning was the Word. In the beginning God created, and we have to accept that by faith. And all the scientists, and all the speculation, and all the theorizing, and all that men do, will never discover. They'll never discover where God came from. And we don't. It's none of our business. It just says in the beginning, and we take that by faith that God has always been, and we don't know. We don't know uh, how many eons of time, or how many billions of years, we do not know anything about the existence of God in eternity past. But God says, listen, here's a wonderful thought. God says, when we accept Jesus, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. Well now, that eternal life means not just from the time that we accept the Lord, to the future, but we lay hold upon all that God has been from the beginning. You know, if you get an inheritance from your family, or when you're born into this world, you become a part of what your parents and your grandparents, you you came into this world and you had had grandparents. You had parents and grandparents maybe already at that time. And maybe great-grandparents. But you became an heir of all, all that that family was on back and as far as you could trace it back, and even further then you could trace it back. You became a part of the past as well as a part of the future. When you're born of God and born again, you have eternal life. You become not only a part of God now and in the future, but all part of God now and in the past. You lay hold upon it all here. He is from eternity. See if that boggles your mind a little bit. It does, doesn't it? Because really you inherit a part of God. And God is eternal. And so he gives you eternal life. Eternal doesn't mean just from now on. It means from now on and from now back. That's eternal. So if we could comprehend what God has given us, it would just really amaze us to be able to comprehend. But see, we have a little old finite mind, and his mind is infinite. And we... We just get a glimpse of what he has in, as far as knowledge and blessings and goodness. In verse 3 now, it says, Thou turnest man to destruction, and sayest, Return, ye children of men. Return back to what? Dust from which you came. And God does that. Our God made us from the dust, and we must return to the dust. It says, Genesis 3, verse 19, For dust thou art, and dust thou shalt return how insignificant we are as compared to our maker. Look in Psalm 39, verse 5. Psalm 39, verse 5. Notice what it says here. Behold, thou hast made my days as an handbread. And my age, mine age, is as nothing before thee. My age is as nothing. We live 10, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70, 80 years. Some 90, some 100. There's a lady lived to be 120. Had the oldest woman on the, in the world. On it. Some, did any of you see it on the news? 120 years old. Where she's Paris? France? Somewhere? Paris? And uh, this will throw you for a loop. She smoked two cigarettes a day and ate two glasses of wine every day. <laughs> lived to be 120. And by the way, she read, ate red meat, too. Well, I really told you a little boy. Healthy as an ox. But anyway, you can't put everything in one category, friends. You know, God has a way of dealing with all of us. Whatever suits you and fits you, do it. But anyway, behold, thou hast made my my days as an handbreadth, and mine age is as nothing before thee. Listen, if we live to be a hundred and twenty, our age is still as nothing before God. That's just a speck of, that's just a speck of dust on the seashores of time, a sand. It says, "Verily, every man at his best state, not his worst state, is altogether vanity." Look at that. Every man at his best state is altogether vanity. Now I'm not saying by that that all that this lady did was good for her. No misunderstanding, but. uh, it does show you that," said one lady. You know, she died. She's lived to be this. She's in her nineties, and, and uh, they said, "What do you account your long age and long life to?" She said, "Well, I quit smoking," and she said, "They said when?" She said, "About a year or two ago."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah, laughter. The Bible says laughter does good like a medicine, so I guess it took care of all of our ills. (laughs) So anyway, we don't know what life... God gives life and, you know, we have to take it as it is, do the best we can with what we have. Okay, it says here in verse uh, uh, 4, For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past, and as a watch in the night. A thousand years. God doesn't reckon time like we do. God measures time in a different way. He says a thousand years with the Lord is as a day, and a day is a thousand years. So it's been a couple of days since Jesus died on the cross. A couple of days. Just a short time. It's been two thousand years. Think of it. Uh... And when it's fast, and as a watch in the night, they, you know, when you change watch, some of you have been in the service and you change watch at, at 4, 8, 12, and 4, 8, 12 again. And you have two watches a day, usually it's four hour watch. In the Navy, that's the way it is. They used to have a different uh, three hour divisions in some areas, but those were four hour watches. If you had the four, four to eight at night, well, then you had the 4 to 8 the next morning and when 8 o'clock the next morning came you worked from 8 o'clock till, till 4 I mean till 5 and then you had the 8 to 12 so you had time for supper and take your shower and go in night 8 to 12 so you had uh, 8 hours of watch a day and if, if they fell during the night period of time or overlap, you had 8 hours of work that's just 16 hours a day is all you had all you had to put in Short day, wasn't it? But anyway, if it fell on where you had four hours during your work day, that eliminated four. You only had four hours to work and eight hours to watch. So that's just 12-hour day. You got a break then. You just had a 12-hour day. Where were we? For a thousand years in thy sight are but as yesterday when it is past and as a watch in the night. Think of changing watches and how, uh, how rapid, how quickly it happens. Think of the angels changing their watch. A thousand years, and then they change the watch. (laughs) You know, you and I change it every four hours. But, you know, in the days of Jesus, you know, it says the third watch of the night, and so on and so forth. All right. In verse 5, it says, Thou carrest them away as with a flood. Our sin sometimes provokes God's anger. Thou carrest them away as with the flood, they are as asleep. In the morning they are like grass which groweth up. In the morning it flourisheth and groweth up. In the evening it is cut down and withered. We're under the sentence of death from the cradle to the grave, aren't we? Grass is, you know, our lifespan is a few hours and it's like grass. You know, the history of grass is sown, grown, blown, mown, and gone. That's what Spurgeon said. It's sown, it's grown, it's blown, the wind blows over it, and then it's mown, and then it's gone. And our life is like that. If we don't think life is short, we better start checking up. Some of us won't be here next year. Might not be. And some the next year. Some the next year. And you say, well, it'll, it'll be the old people. No, not necessarily. Maybe the young people. You never know it will be. Young and old. life. Never know who it'll be. Went up to the Chevron station there, Miss Stark, you know, Mr. Miss Stark from the little Chevron station there. And she said, Brother Joyce, last month, I believe it was, two or three weeks ago, she lost her brother down in uh, Texas, somewhere up in close. place. And I said, Well, was he old? He had I said, Was he old? She, she says, Yeah, he was, four, he was uh, four years older than I am. She said, No, I'm 62. That tells you something. He's 66. So, you know, life, life is in God's hands, isn't it? You never know when it's going to hit. But I'm thankful for every day. Every day I live, every morning I get up, I say, thank you, Lord, for another day. Every night when I go to bed, I say, thank you that you saw me through this day. And all during the day. You see, you can be in an attitude of prayer all the time. You should be. Uh, Brother Randy sang a song, count your many blessings. We all sang it together. We sometimes forget to count our blessings, don't we? We have a lot of We have God's blessings of mercy and grace and love and care. We have God's children that are friends and uh, dear to us, friends that we love, members of the church, and we stick close together. It says how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Psalm 133, you read There's only three verses. That's a wonderful psalm. Read it. Three verses. How good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. The Bible says in the New Testament, Endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. If there's one thing that's important in the church, it's for us to love one another and have fellowship with one another and to be concerned about one another. If we can do that, then you have to work at it. All of us are not real easy to love. <laughs> you know, we have our problems, though. But anyway, I love you in spite of it. And I know you do. And I'm thankful that, that you do. You've been overlooking all my sins and shortcomings and my faults and failures and, and the things that I've done wrong and things I'll probably do wrong. But anyway, uh, it's a great thing to, to know that, that uh, we have one another, isn't it? Okay, let's go on with this. It says in verse uh, uh, 7, For we are consumed by thine anger, and by thy wrath are we troubled. God's wrath and judgment. Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins, in the light of thy countenance. God knows all about our secret sins. Our whole life is before God. There are no secrets with God, by the way. Our secret sins, we may think they're secrets, from others, but they're not secret from God. See God knows all about everything we do. He knows our thoughts are far off. Our thoughts. That's a, that open up your eyes wouldn't it? because we don't always think what we ought to think. We sometimes think bad. we sometimes think evil. We sometimes think lustful. And you know the, the, the way to help eliminate those problems is to think good and let God fill. You're going to think something. You know, you you can think bad. People become obsessed with sex. People become obsessed with lust. People become obsessed with money. People become obsessed or uh, addicted to all these things. And if you think on it all the time, and... Uh, Paul said in the book of Philippians, I believe, what sort of things are lovely, what sort things are true, true, what things are honest, a good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. See, so put something in there to think on that you should be thinking on instead of a lot of things that you don't need to be thinking on. Because you're going to think something and so fill up the void with the good things you need to think. You see, what you eat and what you put in your mind is what you are. What you feed your soul upon is what you are. And you can feed your soul upon filth and trash and, and all kinds of evil things, and that's what you'll be inside. But if you learn to feed your soul upon on the things of God, and it takes practice and it takes effort, the Bible says, study to show thyself approved God. It's not easy. You, you know, study hard work. Anything you do to make an effort Feed upon the Word of God. Old Job of old says, I have esteemed, or counted, the words of his mouth more than my necessary food. Someone says, I've got to have food to live. Yes, but you've got to have spiritual food to live too. And you need that spiritual food and the only place you're going to get it is from God's Word. Reading it, studying it, hearing it, talking it, <coughs> and meditating it day and night. It says, Thy Word... I will meditate in day and night, and he shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water, which bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, and whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but are like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment of sinners and the congregation of the righteous, but the, because the Lord knoweth the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly, not only the ungodly, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. You think that just and good and, and uh, God's Word and God's people will not triumph? It says that they shall perish, but you're going to remain. I'm always amazed. I go places. I, I'm, I'm so amazed at what God does for me. Aren't you? God does so many things for you. Turn around and he'll help you out of everything in every situation. I'll go in to buy something. Went in to buy a little piece of insulation to fi- finish behind the cabinet there in the, my house where I had to move the washing machine out. Had a little void there where the box was. Guy down to the lumber. No, Brother Joyce, just take that. Go in there. This afternoon I was visiting the hospital. And... Uh, Had just a few moments. Went by McDonald's and got me a little ice cream cone and a cup of coffee. And uh, he says, no, you don't pay for that. He just pushed my money back. People just treat me... I'll tell you, people talk about complaining. God treats me good. People treat me good. And the Bible says, given it shall be given unto you, good measures, shaken down and run, pressed together, shaken down and running over, shall what? Men give unto your bosoms." And God is going to cause this to happen to you. And I think a lot of times we shut people off by our complaining about everything. And I'm always thankful. And uh, God will bless you. God will take care of you. He's good. He's good to us. Where where were we? It says, uh, Thou hast set our iniquities before thee, our secret sins in the light of thy countenance. For all our days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. How's our story going to come out? We spend our years as a tale that is told. We're writing the story of our life. Let's try to make it a better chapter today and tomorrow and this week. You know, a better chapter in our lives. You know, usually a story, a book is made up of so many ten chapters or fifteen or however many. Maybe shorter. Some people have a very short book. Some people have a long one. But every chapter, every week and month should be a, another chapter of good. It says, we spend our years as a tale that is told. Verse 10 says, the days of our years are three score, years and ten, and if by reason of strength they be four score. Three score and ten is, is a seventy. By reason of strength, four score would be eighty. A score is twenty. And three score and ten would be seventy. Seventy or eighty years. Yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. We disappear from this earth and we go to be with God. Uh, three score and ten, seventy, or eighty. And people's lifespan is a little longer sometimes now. Well, God has permitted it to be that way in his grace. I remember when I was just a, a little boy, most people didn't live to be 70 years old. People were dying at 50 and 60. Well, they still do, but I mean, I'm talking about there's very few people live to be 70 and 80 years old. Now we have people 80, 90, 100 years old. My mother lived to be 96. I was, uh, Miss Hensley was 92 or 3? 92. 92. Uh, Edna's mother. By the way, she preached her own funeral too. I assisted, but she preached her own funeral. That's right. We had a tape here, and she preached her own funeral. And uh, by the way, she, she gave an invitation in that funeral, too. And I just got up here and did what I was supposed to do. Well, everyone said I did the part, but I guess so. Isn't all it is? The Lord has a way, doesn't He? But anyway... You know, God has given us life. Isn't it a a wonderful thing that God has extended our lives? And, and, you know, uh, the thing about it is sometimes we live too long. And then we begin to suffer too much. So when the time comes that we're uh, crippled, our mind, as Brother Randy is mentioning, a young person with our mind, I can't help but think of something I started to tell it then but uh, when Randy was and I'm not neglecting this I just want to give you this when he was talking about this guy saying mama mama dad was an officer like Brother Wendell he was carrying a guy up to Las Vegas that was a little bit off his mind and he was carrying him up to Las Vegas and he was over there between Corona or somewhere going up or Secor or wherever I don't know up there, heading up and anyway, the police cars didn't have what they have. Now, that protection behind, between the front seat and the back, you know, it just he just, in a regular old automobile, you know, and, and this guy had, was handcuffed, and he's sitting Well, he didn't put his hands behind him. He just put them on him to keep them in front. This guy's sitting behind Dad, right behind the driver's seat, and Dad was driving along, you know, and this guy, he looked out there, and there was, there's a whole flock of ducks out there on the, old, on the little lake out there. And he said, duck, 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 And Dad rammed his head down, down against the staring wheel. He looked up. He like broke his head. He looked up there. And he, got, he, he wasn't doing anything. He thought he was fixing to hit him on the head, you know. But, He kept on saying duck.
1: <laughs> but he saw
0: a duck. Let's see, where were we? For all our day, days are passed away in thy wrath. We spend our years as a tale that is told. By reason of strength, they be ten, a three score and ten, or four score. Yet is their strength, labor, and sorrow? For it is soon cut off, and we fly away. Who knoweth the power of thine anger? Even according to thy fear, so is thy wrath. So teach us. Now listen, all this is to teach us. So teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts and wisdom. We need God's teaching in all of this, though. God is teaching us a lesson about life. When He tells us how brief life is, when He tells us God is eternal, when He tells us from everlasting to everlasting thou art God, when He tells us of His judgment, when He tells us that we're like grass and we wither and die away, when He tells us that, uh, that God knows about our secret sins... When he tells us that our life is short at the very best, he says, teach us to number our days. Like our ABCs. Children learn to count one, two, three. Are you numbering? I'm 68. Hope the Lord gives me 69. Hope he gives me 70. I'm just going to pray. I'm going to add them. You know, he says, teach us to number our days. I'm numbering. I'm trying to number by years instead of days, though. But he says, teach us to number our days. See, God wants to apply our hearts unto wisdom, and if we number our days, we'll be wiser. If we know that God is doing something with us in our life. right. It says, Return, O Lord, how long? And let it repent thee concerning thy servants. O, satisfy us early with thy mercy, that we may rejoice and be glad all our days. Look at that. Seek God's mercy that we can be happy all of our days. Make us glad according to the days wherein thou hast afflicted us, and the years wherein we have seen evil, even in bad times. Let thy work appear unto thy servants, and thy glory unto their children. And let the beauty of the Lord our God be upon us. And establish thou the work of our hands upon us. Yea, the work of our hands establish thou it. Look at that. We have an allotted time. God's wrath is fully known. We ought to make the very best of every day and count every day. The beauty of the Lord is asked for. I want to close with reading Psalm 27 and verse uh, 4. Psalm 27 verse 4 says, Listen, One thing have I desired. We get our minds on too many things. One thing have I desired, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, and to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire in His temple. One thing have I desired. Do we desire... To dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of our life? Or dwell in the presence of God? And then, Psalm 23 says, And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. All the days of our life here in the house of the Lord forever. That should be our desire. And all of those who trust Jesus as Lord and Savior are going to be dwelling in the house of the Lord in the future. But our desire is, to dwell in the house of the Lord now.